right, we are back. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for tuning into this edition of the 615 Collector. Today is Friday, June 9th. My name is Doug. My partner's Brandon, and thanks to all of our listeners out there. Uh, we haven't checked. I don't know if we've grown anymore, but I know as of, I think as we mentioned this last time, we got 17 listeners in 17 different countries, and I think all 50 states, so certainly appreciate everyone spending some of their day with us. And then as we jump in today, going to be a little different format because we're going to throw it all. We're not going to do segments, kind of like we did last time, just going to throw it all in and go with the flow, see what happens. But I don't know if we touched on this last time, but did want to touch on it because I don't think we did. It didn't happen before last time. Yeah, I don't think so. And so I did want to pay our respects in today's show for legend, the legendary Jim Brown, who passed away on May 18th. He was 87 years old played nine seasons for the Cleveland Browns, led the league in rushing for eight of those years. He averaged over five yards per carry, which is absolutely crazy throughout his career. He was named a pro bowler in every year he played. He was a three-time MVP, won the title with Cleveland in 1964. Off the field, was a civil rights leader as well, advocated for inner city youth, among other things. His rookie card is an absolute iconic one in the hobby. It's in the 1958 Topps football set. And like I said, it's a it's an awesome one. I know I've got one in the personal collection in low grade. It's a very spendy one, rightfully so, uh, especially if you get it in kind of mid to high grade. But uh, so thought we would just take a moment to remember remember the late great Jim Brown. Okay, so with that, it's been two weeks since our last show. Got a lot of things to cover. Fair amount of hobby news we're going to go over. We got some baseball, some WNBA. Of course, hockey playoffs, NBA playoffs. We got a little bit of football off-season stuff. There's even some tennis. A little and... bit of football off-season stuff as well. <clears throat> what do you mean? Well, I guess this isn't off-season, is it? Yeah, it is. No, for like. What are you talking about? I'm talking about soccer. Oh, soccer. Yeah, foot football. Yeah, <clears throat> football. We've got tennis, golf, and some big soccer news to cover. It's not off-season for soccer, actually. I did, yeah, that's, why I, that's why I said. It's in-season. Well, yeah. I guess it depends so guess what league. I don't know. I don't, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> what the seasons are for all the leagues, but for the league we're going to talk about, it's in-season. We'll jump right in. Maybe start out a little bit with what we're buying. did do a little bit of buying over the last couple of weeks, and so thought we'd touch on that. One is, and I did post this on social media, but bought some boxes of the 2021 Goodwin, Goodwin Champions Hobby Boxes. That one, if you don't know, it's a fun set. It's not incredibly expensive. In fact, it, the box, hobby boxes are relatively inexpensive. I think you can pick them up for, I think you can get them for less than 100 bucks. Um, anyway, it's a fun rip and going to go exquisite RPA hunting. They have some, there's in that, it's tough to pull. There's long odds to get them, but uh, some of the more valuable and, and highly sought after cards in that one are the exquisite RPAs. And the reason I was wanting to get the 2021 in particular is because Sabrina Ionescu has an exquisite RPA and uh, auto card in there. So, which I guess RPA, three diamond, yep. rookie patch auto. Yeah. So going hunting for those, I did rip one box. I got two others that are unripped. I will probably rip one of those. And haven't didn't get anything too significant in the first the first one apparently was all about ryan whitney do you know who ryan whitney is no this guy i can't say that i do some kind of a media personality i don't know so apologies to uh ryan whitney and but because i got a lot of ryan whitney cards and the auto i got was ryan whitney it was uh 
So hmm. not not exactly that I was going again. No yeah, offense to Ryan Whitney, probably a great guy. To figure out who he is, but uh, <clears throat> not exactly who I was going after. I did get this one, which is cool. It's a Darius Garland. Our listeners can't see it, but it's Darius That's Garland. That's Darius Garland. Yeah, bring that bring that closer. What? Yeah, Darius Garland. It's a splash of color. Oh, and now it's, I see it. it. You got a really from far away. That does not look like Darius Garland. Yeah. It's 3D lenticular. This was a good poll. This is long odds. I think it's like one in 40 boxes. We'll, you'll get one of these. There are, I don't know what, three, six, nine. There's probably about 30 cards. Yeah, there's 30 cards in this set. It's called Splash of Color 3D Lenticulars. And uh, I got the one of, of Darius Garland. So that was a big hit. That's a cool card. So, and there were, you know, a few other. There were some Jordan and Tiger Woods and Chloe Kim and uh, Michaela Schifrin and bunch of others in there there's some politician cards there's a bunch of different things in this set it's it's kind of a fun set like i said it's a fun one to rip relatively inexpensive and hey, wait so is ryan whitney sports media or just media um you know it's a good question because you said there's politicians in there maybe that's i mean there's a reason we don't know who he is <laughs> well let's no i think he's sports media but well, what does he what does he cover i have no idea is he uh is that are you sure he didn't play hockey? It kind of looks like he played hockey. Is he a hockey player? <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure in some of the other cards <laughs> I got. You he's said a, he was media. He's a former professional hockey defenseman. Uh, he's an analyst on the NHL Network. Oh, okay. That makes and he's go. a co-host, it says, of the um, of uh, Barstool Sports Hockey Podcast. Oh, so you can so, tell we don't follow hockey that closely. Well, or at least we hockey follow shows hockey, that closely. But we don't follow, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't follow all the media personalities in hockey. Yeah, there you go. For our hockey fans out there, I've got a Ryan Whitney auto card for anyone that's uh, interested. I would be willing to let that one go. Hmm. <laughs> I'd be willing to sell that one uh, to anyone that wanted. I got in that box. That could and, be a niche card. I don't know if that was a loaded box. And I say loaded, I mean of Ryan Whitney because I can't tell you how many Ryan Whitney cards I pulled. Like, <laughs> like, And not just the base cards. I got the base. I think there's one or two base cards of Ryan Whitney. And then a bunch of different inserts and parallels. I probably got a half a dozen Ryan Whitney cards with parallels and inserts and this auto and everything. So I apparently got the um, all the Ryan Whitney cards got put into the box nice. I opened yeah so I've got a bunch of those I'll have to put them all together and maybe post them on social media but I do like this Darius Garland one that's a cool splash yeah, of cool. color it just, and it's it, kind of 3D you can't really tell it's him until you get closer like his arms look so big yeah he's not he doesn't look that big usually yeah to well me. and they don't have their their NBA uniforms yeah. obviously on these because Upper Deck doesn't have that license so anyway but it there it's still it there's yeah it's a cool it's a cool set um, did pick up some other things. I got uh, some some individual slabbed cards, graded cards. I got a Frank. I've been wanting to get a Franco Harris rookie card, and been looking to pick one of those up. And so I got one of those. I think I got that in the PWCC weekly auction. It's the 1973 tops card. I'm happy about that and excited about that. And then I did pick up. I've mentioned before. I think there's opportunity in the WNBA, and so I picked up a couple autograph cards. I think these were also in the PWCC weekly auction. I got an autograph card of Sato Sabali. I talked about her last time. She's Sabrina Ionescu's partner in crime at the University of Oregon when they played for the Ducks together. Having but a now, great season. Yeah, she's having an outstanding season in the WNBA, uh, which, uh, oh gosh, she's with Dallas, right? Yep. Yeah. She's, huge, she's, huge, she's Huge jump from year one to year two. Yeah. And she's an absolutely outstanding player. So I got a Prism, Panini uh, Prism auto card of hers. And then I also picked up, we talked about this one last time. How do you pronounce her name again? Elena Deladon. Yeah. Is that how you do it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Elena Deladon, she plays for Washington. That's solid. And she's a good player. She's argu I mean, she's arguably a top 
three or five player in the league. Yeah. So and so there been. got there was a Panini Prism autograph card of hers that I picked up. You know, I already have a Kenneth Parker rookie auto in the PC. I've got a Sabrina Ionescu auto in the PC. Um, I've got a Brittany Griner auto card in the piece. So anyway, so yeah, adding to, and I did, I do have, I already have a Diana Taurasi and a Sue Bird, I think, rookie cards. Uh, those are not autograph cards, but in the PC. So I'm, I'm building a little bit of a WNBA collection because like I said, one, I just think it's fun to collect. And, but two, I think that I do think from a long term, look, there's not offering any investment advice. You collect what you want, you do what you want. Uh, but personally, I think there's maybe some long-term opportunity in the WNBA. I really do. A lot of their, their cards are relatively inexpensive, and a lot of them have been growing in value. And I think as that league continues to improve and get better and and uh, get more attention, they're, you know, expand their number of teams and cities they're in, expand the number of games they play, get more media coverage. You know, I think there's potentially some long-term investment value in some of that stuff as well. So anyway, so that's some of the stuff I picked up. All right. Speaking of yeah. WNBA, the National, I guess TriStar, who handles all this, finally announced, finally got a female athlete as an autograph signer that's going to be at the National Card Show in Chicago later this summer, and that is going to be none other than Angel Reese, the star that's LSU. It's interesting that that's the one female athlete that they got. Yeah, well, hopefully there's going to be more, but I don't know. But this nothing, is the first nothing one. Nothing against Angel, but like... I. I don't know. Hey, I mean that's great, especially for her because she's starting to do a, bu- a bunch of like media deals and stuff now too. Like she's doing stuff with like Starry, yep. who's like just infiltrated the NBA, like yeah. majorly this year. Nobody ever heard of him, and now everybody, if you know basketball, you've heard of Starry now. Yeah. So I guess that makes sense, but I just feel like we're the pros <laughs> too, you know? Yeah. Well, she's she's gonna be she's the. But for that's those- great. I mean, she's a great player a lot of the stars honestly in women's basketball are in college so i mean makes sense yeah and she's you know she she was the lsu star they won the national championship this year over iowa and like i said she's going to be the first female athlete signer so now the tally is 119 male athletes and one female athlete so hopefully hopefully i'm not saying she shouldn't be there i'm saying she should be there with other people she shouldn't be the only one just clear that up <laughs> no totally agree. Um, uh, yeah absolutely no i i totally agree with that um and and she used i'm trying to look up because i'm trying to remember is it is it Haley van lith no it's is, is that the who's the louisville? louisville i think so yeah is it Haley van lith yeah yeah it's Haley van lith with louisville she's uh she's you know announced that she's going to be joining angel reese at lsu next year so i think caitlin clark's going to be back in iowa should be a fun college basketball season next year yeah. a lot of other teams as well that are going to be doing well but there you go so hopefully there will be other yeah female no i agree i think she's going to be a good one to have signed and she's been you know certainly elevated her media presence Mm -hmm. and 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 taking advantage of that um of winning the national championship with lsu so good for her and yeah we'll see hopefully there will be others that'll be coming other big news some really big news in soccer that we alluded to and i always say lionel I guess Lionel. I heard it. Lionel. Lionel. Messi. I, I don't know. Just say Messi. I'm going to be honest. I don't know. Yeah, just say Messi. Lionel Messi. He's going to join the Major League Soccer here in the U.S. Going to play for Inter Miami. And so look out. I think, look, I think this is exciting for that league. And it's going to bring a ton of eyeballs 
to Major League Soccer in the U.S. It's believed that his debut, this hasn't been set yet, but they're talking about it um, might be July 21st, could potentially be in August. The season's underway now. Regular season ends on October 21st. The playoffs then run from October 25th to December 9th. Miami's been doing absolutely terrible thus far, so we'll see if this can turn things around for them. <laughs> yeah. But And David Beckham, who himself pulled a similar move back in 2007 when he left Europe, and, and I forget the league he was in, but joined the MLS here in the United States, did a similar thing. Well, he's co-owner of this Miami MLS franchise, and so, you know, similar move for Messi. And here's the thing, the, the impact, too, like, you can't overstate it because instantly all the games have sold out. Every not only home games for Miami, but away games. I was looking here because oh, um, I mean Miami's coming to Nashville on August thirtieth. Sold out. Well, I mean the thing is like a lot of these people in the U.S. have not gotten a chance to really see Messi play live unless they've gone to out, out of the country. Basically. Absolutely. I yeah. don't know if he's played here at all, and in, in any kind of other match or anything I don't, but I don't, I don't think so but i, I, I feel know, yeah. i mean i feel like for the most part he hasn't yeah. if, if he has at all and so I, you know it makes sense most people here have not seen him play live yeah so i mean that's and and ticket prices if you know the game sold out and then in the secondary market ticket prices have increased tenfold or more for a lot of these games and get this miami miami's the soccer team team social media account reportedly gained over four million followers after yeah this was well announced. he's like i think he's him and like Ronaldo, I think, are like number. At one point, they were like number one and number two, and like social media followers, just like of anybody in the world, like is like crazy. Yeah, like they. So they they have a huge social media presence, apparently. Yo, absolutely. Yeah, which I, I don't really. Do. I, yeah. I it's I knew they did at one point. I don't know what it looks like now, but before it was crazy. Yeah, I mean, well, because soccer is one of the most widely followed you know we it's the most global sport yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. and by the way do you watch ted lasso i yeah me yeah you do i'm not done with it yet but yeah okay in the middle of season three yeah no i'm not done we're not done with season three either but um i i've always does is roy kent supposed to be uh is that messy i i mean i thought the same thing i mean i feel like it's uh i don't know i just feel like it's i mean the storyline is something that they pulled that's realistic. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really what what I tell you. Yeah, um, I don't know. It just I, every time I see Messi, I think of Roy Kent and why? Ted Lasso. Now or before? Yeah. No, even now. Like, well, just in watching the show, every time I watch the show and see Roy Kent, I think I'm one. I always think that that's Messi. I think I oh, I've never thought like, that, but I don't know. Look, I was looking at some of uh, Messi's cards. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know that this necessarily has. You know, a, a, a lot of impact on his card values um, per se, but maybe it does because they'll certainly maybe bring some more demand from collectors and investors in the U.S. to some of his stuff. But um, it's going to look at when I look at Card Ladder and I look at his Card Ladder index. It, you know, there's not an enormous amount of um, movement in, in a lot of his stuff. Well, but I mean, if I he's look- going to the MLS. I don't really think that would impact his cards that much. Yeah, probably. Right, not. All he's doing is just moving to a different market. The MLS is not like all respect to the MLS. It's not as good of a league as some of the leagues over there in Europe. Oh, so, no question. But that's um, where this is going to be exactly. Kind of, but like, but like for but my point is, I don't think him coming here would really raise his card values at all because he's not going somewhere where he's like you know 
True. He's going well, somewhere where he's going to be very popular for sure. The only but, reason I'm saying that is I'm just thinking supply economics, supply demand, right? And thinking if there's more demand coming from U.S. collectors and investors, that could maybe drive some of the prices up a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. I did. I'm pulling up a 2004 Panini Sports uh, PSA. Or actually, this is a BGS eight and a half. It sold look a day or two ago for around forty five hundred dollars. Um, this was the Mega Cracks uh, version of that card. That was up from four thousand. Was up about ten percent from the last sale, uh, which was at the end of May. So up about ten percent. But it's only two sales, so you can't really, you know, read a lot into that. But anyway, it's it'll be interesting to watch some of his stuff. We'll be paying attention to what some of his stuff does. I don't know that I have any messy cards in the collection, but might have to look at some of his things now. I, but it would be fun to go to the game. He's there, like I said, they're going to be here in Nashville, Miami Place, Nashville on uh, August thirtieth. But I don't know. It's going to be tough ticket to get. I think soccer matches are like the most like interesting like with like the crowd. I've said this before. Like, there's not really any music. It's just like consistent like drums and cheering in a lot of areas. And I just think it's really interesting, just that vibe and arena. And it's very similar. I don't. I've watched a little bit of the BAL, which is the Basketball Africa League. It's kind of, you know, an Africa league that the NBA has been sponsoring. Yep. And it's like the the atmosphere in there is like basically the same thing as soccer. And so like seeing that in a basketball game, I kind of like it. And so watching soccer, I see that I'm like, it's kind of cool. I kind of like that vibe, to yeah. be honest. And I've like, I don't know soccer at all. I've never really been to a soccer game before. It's so yeah. I, I think I think it'd be it's fun. Like, it's like cool. Have it's you just been like to a Nashville? It's just like weird to me because like most other sports aren't like that. It's kind of I Have like you, I like that yeah. style of crowd. I guess I don't know how you even say it. Have you been to <laughs> a Nashville soccer game? No. We need to go to one. Yeah. We should try to get tickets to go see Messi. Good luck. Yeah. You're gonna have to pay through the nose, but still, it might be that'd be kind of fun. We we should go to one. That would be fun because I haven't been either. I've been wanting to go. I know some of our friends have been. We've been talking about going to a game with some of our friends, but haven't had an opportunity to do that yet. So maybe this will be the the impetus to make that happen. All right. Uh, also, some tennis news. We got uh, the French Open, which is one of the the Grand Slam, one of the big four Grand Slam tournaments that's underway right now, and. In the semifinals, there was a big match between Novak Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz. Uh, it's almost like a you know, passing of the torch type situation with Djokovic being one of the greatest of all time and Alcaraz the up and, you know, young up-and-comer who's kind of expected to potentially be one of the greats as his career moves on, assuming he can continue to you know, fulfill the, the promise that you know, he has. That match, I think, was today, and Djokovic defeated him to get to the finals. And this has been kind of a theme for Carlos Alcaraz. He is—he apparently had cramping in the match, and so it was a That's good match right up like... until that point. It was—it was one set apiece, and they were in the third set, and I think it was one game apiece. And Djokovic was serving. Was was no, maybe Djokovic had just finished, and so it was one game apiece. And then Carlos cramped up. And then Djokovic went on, I think, to beat him 6-1, 6-1 in the last two sets But it, because he didn't really have mobility after that. This has happened to Carlos. Oh, gosh, it happened in a tournament in Miami. It happened in another tournament uh, last year somewhere overseas. I forget where it was. But he is he seems to have had a history of cramping problems, and so he needs to— That's not even like a chronic kind of issue. He just needs to figure out—yeah, he just needs to, like, 
yeah. be smarter. Yeah. I feel like, and I, I feel like, well, you know, it can be hard in those, if those matches are super long, but like, you gotta be like, well, I mean, and I don't know what the that's, temperature that's, was. That's in, something you can control. Absolutely. Yeah. No question. But I don't, and, but it was apparent. I don't know what the temperature was, but it was apparently super hot. To take care um, of himself. And then of course, when you're out on that clay court, it's yeah. even hotter, oh, yeah. absorbs all that heat. So I can only imagine, but yeah, exactly. But he's had some issues with cramping. And so he's got to, that's just you know, something he's got to figure out. Yeah. Try to figure out how to handle that and see how to do it. You know? But I was looking at, you know, some of, uh, of course, he, he has his cards, um, is NetPro is, is the one that I think has the agreement with him and have put out a lot of his, uh, we'll call them rookie cards. Uh, they put out a lot of those last year, and I've been looking at those were red hot when they first came out. They've come down a little bit over the last, you know, I'd say, what, last couple of months or so, but... I don't know. It could be an interesting time to look up. I'll full disclosure. Actually, I didn't. I don't know. Did I mention that when I was talking about buying or selling? Because I did pick up one of his Net Pro rookies. I picked up the one that's serial number to two thousand. That one, when you, I mean, he's got a few. He's got some, you know, red. That's one in a red shirt, uh, serial number to two thousand. That sells for anywhere from one hundred and fifty to two hundred bucks right now. I think that one was as high as maybe I want to say five hundred to a thousand at one point. It was one of those ones that kind of went parabolic when it first came out. Now it's settled back down. And then he's got some other parallel, you know, some serial number to 500 and la- anyway, you can look on card ladder or other places and kind of find some of his cards. And then let's look up Djokovic as well, because Djokovic also has, I believe his rookies are in, no, they, that's right. His were in the ace authentic sets from uh, 2000, I think 2007. Is that right? Or yeah, it's a 2007 ace authentic that has his rookie and you know you can pick up that in high grade well like a nine for example for probably around 100 150 bucks a psa 10 is going to run you you know more than that you probably you know might pay i'm seeing some sales of the psa 10 for around 350 to 400 dollars. and then of course if you want to get an autograph card that's going to run up into the the four figures uh, at that point but so djokovic has got some cards out there as well uh, but anyway, so yeah, so that's what's going on in the in the men's tournament. On the women's side, Iga Swiatek, I think is how you say the last name. I always have a difficult are time. These, where where her are these name. women from? Are these all Russian? No, I don't know. Or like Ukrainian? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I think Swiatek might be. Every Ukrainian. time we read these names, I'm like, they all seem like they're Russian. Yeah, no, they're, they're like not. Every... No, not all of them. But I think I think she might be Ukrainian. But man, she is looking unbeatable. She cruised to the finals. She was posting bagel after bagel after bagel which just means winning sets 6-0 I think her first several matches because in women's it's the best two out of three in her first several matches she won 6-0-6-0-6-0-6-0 and hadn't even lost a game until I think maybe the quarter or semifinals but anyway she did she's cruised to the finals well that's not true she did play Coco Goff and in, in, I think in the quarters and Coco Goff you know played well I think she got two or three games in each of the two sets but did lose in two straight sets to her Anyway, so she's going to be a fun one to watch, but she's now going to face off against Carolina uh, Mo, Mo, Mokava, Mochava, I think is how you pronounce her last name. I'm not familiar with her, but she upset Sabalenka in the semis, and so we'll see. It's That should be a fun match as well on the women's side, but Chviatek is, man, she's just, she is looking really tough. I think, was she, did she win the... I'll have to double check because I can't remember if she won the women or the Wimbledon. These, her and Sabalenka are two like S names that I would get mixed up easily, so I don't know. No, it wasn't her last. It was um, Rybakina. That's right. Oh yeah, Rybakina. Or no, no, no. Was it Anz Jabor? 
uh, let's see, was it Anj Jabor? It was Anj Jabor and Rybakina. No, Rybakina won. Anj Jabor was the, uh, Elena Rybakina won. Anj Jabor was the runner-up. Yeah, but I think Sviatek was in the quarters or semis. But anyway, so she's playing really good tennis right now, and she's one to watch. And then golf. Huge golf news this week. We won't get into all of it because we could probably spend a lot of time on it, but the PGA and Live Golf announced a merger. Kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, some people might have been expecting it, but all the lawsuits now between the organizations have been dropped. I do think the player reactions have been kind of interesting because from what it looks like, I don't think any of the players, at least on the PGA side, nor probably on the Live side, but the PGA side is the one that's maybe a little more surprising, had any knowledge that this was even in the works. And the first a lot of them seem to find out about is when they heard about it in media reports or posted on social media. So, you know, PGA is supposed to be a uh, player-run organization, right? <laughs> so hmm. Maybe not so much. I don't know. But uh, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan taking a lot of heat for this one. He's going to serve as the CEO for the new for-profit entity. And But the reality of it is the Saudi... Public Investment Fund, or PIF as it's known, is the, is the sole outside investor in this, uh, what do you want to call it, in this, well, in, in this entity. And and so, look, and, and I guess they also have the first right of refusal for any future potential investments. So the bottom line is, if you want to know who's in control, follow the money. So even though Jay Monham might be the CEO, the Saudis as the sole investor, so I don't know. We'll see. It's it, it's kind of this one's interesting to me. Obviously, there's been a lot of reaction from a lot of the players out there, and you know I don't know that it really has had that much of an impact on card values of any players. You know, Tiger never did join, and so I don't think it's really had much of an impact on his stuff. Uh, Phil Mickelson, you know, he did join, but you know Phil's stuff has been, you know, it's there's there's been a few other you know issues and things that have been involved in in some of phil's stuff but phil has let me see i'm gonna let's see look up phil's rookie card real quick because phil has um what i believe is his rookie card is in the 2002 uh there's there's actually an sp authentic set that's an autograph card it's uh serial numbered to 100 very popular one of his i say very popular there's only 100 of them out there but it's a it's a it's highly sought after by um, Mickelson and golf collectors, and it's expensive. Uh, in fact, I'm looking here. The last one I see was a BGS 9.5 that sold for nearly $2,000 on that one. So uh, anyway, so I don't, I don't know that there's been, you know, a lot of impact on card values, but it is going to be interesting to see. I mean, what do you – I don't know. It seems – it just seems weird, this about face, right, from the PJ. You kind of hold out for I all just, this. You, I don't... you tell everyone that, oh, you know, and then next thing you know, you're, hey, we're merging with the people we told everyone to not do anything. And pretty much – drug their name through the mud and and look i mean i'm you know we're not going to weigh in on all the politics of this because i'm you know there's a lot of people that might feel that's warranted and but nonetheless it's just it's an odd about face and total turn of events here i don't know i didn't really follow it to begin with so i'm not sure of all the details but yeah i mean maybe it's just a situation where it's just better for both well, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's talk about some basketball a little bit because I didn't. I did see this. Remember? So was it this guy? Was it? Was I that? I think Eric it was Lewis? that guy. Yes, I think it was. Because so, I never saw. I still never saw the video. Yeah. So there I know, was. I know Eric Lewis. So I would be able okay. to tell you if it was him. If yeah. I saw so the video. I'm pretty sure it was. And the only reason I say that is because when I look at the video of him, and so our listeners know what we're talking about. Last, I think on our last show we mentioned this mm-hmm. that there's video 
of, of this ref, I think it's this ref, uh, let's say a ref, in the Miami-Boston uh, Eastern Conference Finals, and I think it might have been game three, game two or three, where Jimmy Butler drives the lane and scores, and you, this ref makes a face like that, like, like oh, you, man, like he was really upset that Jimmy Butler scored. And so that started making the rounds, you know, like, hey, does this guy got money on the game? Is he a big Boston fan? What's going on? Anyway, so that, you know, was kind of a meme and whatnot. And then, and then like the next week or a few days later, the NBA has come out and said that they are investigating Eric Lewis, the ref. Who is actually a very, he's a very well, well, I don't know. He's a well-known ref. <laughs> he's well-known ref. Yeah, well, you don't know. Well, the thing is, he was like he's a finals level ref. Yeah, is what I'm saying. Right, like, exactly. He would be in the finals if he wasn't inve- being investigated right yeah. now, and that's what Adam Silver said. Yeah. So they're keeping him out of the finals because of this investigation. So he, that tells you he is a good ref, right? Like, in terms of like. No, I get know, it. I get it. Officiating. I get it. And um, but but to, to tell our listeners what we're talking about, so he's being investigated for the potential use of a burner Twitter account that he was using to defend himself and other officials and pretending to be. You know someone else and and anyway i don't even know why you would do that like who cares it just yeah, seems I don't know. odd it seems, but, it's a weird thing for and it's not yeah, the first I, time I, like, heard there's it, been the first time i heard of this was in an interview with adam silver like on a pregame of the finals and i was like <laughs> they were like asking him about the investigation i was like what i know it's like, like, like what, what you saw a burner why account? are you I was getting like, on why? twitter trying to like who cares what everyone's saying on twitter about what how you ref the game or whatnot i was like what is but, he using the burner account for although you know it's not the first time himself, there, i like, think kevin durant was uh, admitted to using a burner account yeah but that's defend. different like he's a player and, yeah yeah it's a little bit different if you're an official exactly like, no totally agree like, if you're but, a player do whatever you want like whatever but like and so I don't know if it's the same ref, but when I saw a picture of Eric Lewis, I was like, I think that's the same guy. That looks to me like the same guy that was the one that made the face in that might be. Miami Boston game. So it might be. I don't know. Yeah, oh, that was kind of funny. And then there was a rare trade. It, normally trades don't happen when a team's in the finals, but Denver made a trade with uh, OKC. Yeah. And it was an interesting trade. I'm I always, thought. Always looking ahead. I then, mean, to be fair, the draft is in like two weeks. Yeah. Um, and this 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 involves this year's draft. So I mean, if you're going to get a deal done, you got to do it now. But know? this this was an interesting trade. I felt like this was really not a great trade for OKC. But maybe I'm not understanding the trade right because the way I read it was Denver trades a protected 2029 first round pick to OKC, and in return, Denver gets the least favorable of their 2024 first round picks. And then what I didn't know is, is it, do they get the least favorable of all of these or is it they just get the least favorable of the 2024 and then they also get the number 37 overall pick in 2023 and a 2024 second round pick? It's probably the, it's probably both. Because do you know how many picks OKC has? It's like ridiculous. I know, but like, they I probably have so many first round picks in 2024. Yeah, So they get they the, do. Le- the least favorable of those. So OKC still gets a high draft. But and why then, would you give up? For, if the way I'm reading this, did they give up four picks for one? Looks like three. Three, okay, because they give up one of their of their 2024 first round. They give up the, tw- but, the but, 37 like, in 2023, they they get, and then they, they get, get a second round but in that's, 2024. That's, that's two second round picks and one of the least favorable first round picks in exchange for a protected 2029 first round picks that will for sure be a first round pick, right? So, okay, okay. 
it still seems like a lot. I know, I know like, the OKC thing is, has OKC a lot of picks has to give so up. But many picks, know, and like but reading why, this, but this, then don't just throw them makes, away. This makes sense. Don't throw them well, away. They're not throwing, for, they're not throwing for, away. They're they're getting it further down the line. Like reading this little thing that you pulled out here. Is, yeah, because that the, makes sense. So it makes sense for OKC. Because, Look, they're because loaded. that does make sense because they are going to have to. If these guys turn out that they have right now, they are going to have to pay them. Yeah, and you know, and so our listeners know what to, we're talking to, about. To, to turn OKC it in for has, a future pick. So they have those future future picks. They have enough for now. Yeah, they're going to be fine. But hold like, on, let's get our listeners caught up. What we're talking about because OKC has a ton of young talent, and so and they've also got a ton of picks, and they're not going to be able to. They're going to have to sign that young talent, um, and they're not going to be able to afford that plus you know, all these, all these picks. So they need to get rid of some of those picks, but in, and then either get some well, it's stuff not that further they can. out, it's, like what they did with Denver. And I'm going to clear players. that up too, because it's not like the picks are like costing them like, you know, salary. Well, but they wouldn't space. be afford to, if the players, but they, they can't, pick. they can't draft good players right. and then also pay those players. If they've it, already it, paid the players that they currently have, exactly. that's what the, that's what the, that's they just want to clarify that exactly exactly and so their thing is you either get you either get pieces now in players right or you get you push those picks out longer i think that's a good idea because they'll have right they can work with this team and they know that in the future they still have first round picks to work with no matter what so and for denver it works out because basically you know they've got you know the Joker, and they've got Jamal Murray, and they just need to build talent around them. And so they're trying to add more near-term picks to to put young talent around Nikola uh, Jokic and Jamal Murray. And like a thirty-seven pick next this year is pretty pretty solid for a team like that, right? Plus a first round next year. Yeah, and especially like like you have it here. I was going to say Christian Brown was a was a rookie this year who's been very impactful in the finals. So. Gets yeah. like spot minutes, but the minutes that he plays are super competitive. He plays a lot of force, uh, yep. really, really solid. You know, and he was like a late first round pick too. So, yep, yeah. So I mean, anyway, so that I thought that was an interesting trade, and we'll see. And then, and speaking of the the draft coming up, uh, Victor Wembanyama, him, some of his cards continue to do well. I just saw, I think it was uh, earlier today on uh, a Bowman U. Uh, first Bowman, the super short print in that one, sold for, and this was raw, f- sold for $425. And so his stuff continues to do well. I was going to look up, uh, let me look up Caitlin Clark's stuff as well, because, you know, they've got, um, so yeah, so here's as an example. There was a, um, a purple refractor, serial number to 399 out of the Bowman Chrome University. That one sold for $137.50. You know, Caitlin's stuff not selling for nearly as much as Wembenyana, so it could be, I think, some opportunity there. I'm seeing her first Bowman out of that uh, Bowman Chrome University. You can pick up in raw, you know, form for 15 to 20 bucks, which, you know, so we'll see. I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to find, uh, let me see if I can find one of the autograph cards on hers. So yeah, some of her auto stuff is going for more. Like here's a Bowman U Inception autograph card that just recently sold, or sold today for $500. Here's another Bowman U Inception Auto card. This was the Primordial uh, Auto serial number to 99, sold for $560. Uh, so anyway, her stuff not nearly as spendy as Wembenyama's, but uh, it is definitely doing well. I personally, I'd buy. I personally buy. I'm going to try to get some Caitlin Clark stuff. I think Caitlin Clark is a game changer for the WNBA when yeah. she, if she, you know, assuming she can stay healthy and get there, she is. She is a generational talent, in my opinion, and I think 
um, can have a real impact on women's basketball. So we'll see what happens with that. But um, and then the other thing, other news is uh, in the W. Well, this wasn't really news so much. It's reported that Phoenix is going to look to probably move Chris Paul. Yeah, which is probably. I mean, it was reported by both uh, Chris Haynes and Shams. So I'm going to guess that that's probably pretty accurate, that they're going to try and move him in some form or fashion. They said that there were like three options. They could they were going to look to maybe trade him, change his contract, or like waive and then re-sign him or something. Like one of those three. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. I think that, I don't think they want to pay him as much as they're paying him right now. No. Um, no. For how for how much he's been out. No, he's going to likely be on a different team next year, I think. Yeah, I would I would imagine. And you know, it's interesting too because I'm looking at his card values. I'm looking at like his his rookie is in the 2005 I'm looking at 2005 Tops Chrome, the base and a PSA 10. Pop count on that is just shy of 400. Last sale was 125 bucks about a week or so ago. Uh, and that is down in just the last 3 months, 60%. That card, you know, 3 months ago was selling for around $300. Let me pan out to a little longer time. But yeah, a year ago, that card was selling for north of $400. So his stuff's really coming down in value. Well, he's been injured and his career is like the talk, clock is ticking on him. So. That's right. Exactly. Um, and you know, they haven't, Phoenix hasn't done as well as they did that since that one year they went to the finals. So yep. he also, another card I really like of his, but you know, just doesn't sell a lot. I'm not sure what the pop count is, is he's got a 2005 exquisite uh, collection, the exquisite RPA, which is serial number to 99. And I'm looking in card ladder and the last sale I can see on that in card ladder is, uh, in 2021 for $3,800. So that's, a, that's going to be a tough one to find and pick up. There's only 99 of those out there and they're just not that readily available. But anyway, you know, I don't know, depending where he goes, I know I've heard a he's lot gonna of different go to, He's going to go to like a win now team. Yeah. Like there's no question. He's not going to, well, it's situation. already been rumored, you know, will he go to Lakers with LeBron? Who knows? But, <laughs> but I do. And there, I've heard a lot of people say, hey, "Don't don't buy into the Chris Paul." There might be some, but I'm looking at he this and I'm saying, Phoenix, too. You think so? I mean, there's a chance he could. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, I, I could see it. But Let's I think see, you know, it just look, depends I would, on what what their offers are going to look yeah. like. You know, I, yeah. I, so, and, and look, I wouldn't. I personally am not going to chase any Chris Paul stuff. But I, as I look at this, when I look at his card values being real, you know, at what. Two two year or more lows. Let me go. Let me pan out two years on that top. Yeah, see that tops chrome. If I pan out two years, that card was over a thousand dollars. Let me go all time here. I mean, that card is basically back down to pre-COVID levels at around a hundred bucks, give or take. But that card got as high as now. Again, this is this is you know not probably not realistic, but it, it sold for as high as twenty five hundred bucks in April of twenty twenty one, and it is a hundred dollar card yep. now. Ouch, that hurts. But that said, you know, if you're a, if you're a Chris Paul collector and well, like him, yeah, when he goes to the Hall of Fame, yeah, yeah, it could be an interesting I mean, opportunity to pick up some of his stuff right now. If that, you know, so I mean, if you if you want to if you want to bet on the guy, he's going to go to a win now team. He has not won a championship in his career. I was going to say he's going to go to a win now team if he wins. If he goes he, to a win now team and they do well, you probably yeah. I'm sure this hundred dollar card is a two hundred dollar card. Yeah. You know, by whatever time next season. So who knows? But. Anyway, we're not giving out any advice on that. Everyone do whatever you want to do. You know that's what our mantra is here. But I did. We like to point out some of these things that I think are kind of interesting. So, uh, and then uh, let's before we get into some hobby news, a couple of football moves to, that we'll touch on. Dalvin Cook, the running back for the Vikings, was released 
rumors now he might sign with the Jets. I think that could be interesting. Yeah. Um, reunite or not reuniting, but hooking up good. with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. I don't think Dalvin. I don't think Dalvin Cook is. I know he's had some injuries, had a little bit of a down year last year, but I think he's a dynamic running back. I think it could be interesting to see, you know, what he could potentially do with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. I don't know with the Jets. We'll see. But he's one to watch. And then DeAndre Hopkins. Now, I'm not necessarily on the DeAndre Hopkins really? uh, train. Well, don't get me wrong. I think he was in a the best receiver in football at one time. But I just think he's had so many injuries. But he's still, he still, I think still he's like 27, electric. isn't yeah, he? still pretty electric. He's still pretty young. But he just, like last year, and I don't know if it just was some injuries, he was not the same player. And so I don't know if, you know, is he... Has he had too many injuries? Is he not going to be the player he used to be? Is he past his Listen, prime in that regard? I don't care if he's not the player he used to be. Look, he said he's visiting Tennessee and New England. Both of those teams are teams that could use a 75% D-hop. <laughs> like, you well, know? And, I, and I take it back. He's not 27. He's th- I just looked it up. He's 31 like, years old. Give 31. us give us D-hop. Yeah. We... Like, but he is thirty. I don't care if he's not the best wide receiver in the league. He's still pretty good. Well, but <laughs> like, you also had Julio Jones, who was pretty good. And yeah, I'll take him. I'll take impact. him. Yeah, yeah played, I mean, he played pretty well. He just was out a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. I, so I don't hey, know. I'll take him. He's talking to the Patriots. I mean, he's these talking are, to these the are Titans. two teams that could obviously use him regardless. So yeah, you don't have to be the best wide receiver in the league. He's still better than most. Well, and he probably does change the way defenses have to play him. Although that depends on whether he has, you know, I guess just just does he have the same kind of speed and quickness? I don't know. You know, but we'll see. But that's another one, another one to watch. Although, look, we all know that wide receivers and running backs don't get nearly the love in the hobby as quarterbacks do. So wouldn't necessarily be chasing although you know you do have to look at some of the card values in some of these because we can you know, we've seen before where some of these card values get so cheap you know they become 15 20 cards and then they have a good season that 15 20 card might become a 40 or 50 card and you can double your money if that's what you're you know interested in trying to do so who knows what will happen there but it's something to look at all right uh what else we let's do maybe some hobby news real quick before we get into the playoffs for nba and, and uh, some of the other things so couple of quick things there was so a little bit more uh, you know drama in the hobby seems to seems like the hobby can't go more than a couple two three weeks before it needs to have some kind of drama you know um, surface and this time a couple different things one the CEO of Fanatics Michael Rubin was uh, on I think it was I don't know what social media it was but they released a video promoting top sterling new baseball or not new but the release of this year's uh, baseball I think it was 20 well I say this year's I think it might have been 2022 uh, top sterling anyway they were opening a hobby box with soccer player and I don't know how you say his name Antoine Griezmann is that I don't know I don't know how you say his name I'm not familiar with him but anyway the you know and you can't tell because the video is edited so you don't know but when they do when they initially pull the box out it's not wrapped um, when you see them opening the cases again, they cut the video. It's edited, so you don't know for sure. But nothing is wrapped or sealed. But they open the box and they pull the one of one Jackie Robinson cut auto. <laughs> so there's some people, and then and that was what the Antoine pulled, and then Ruben pulled a Mike Trout dual patch auto. Looked like it was serial number to 25. So two pretty big hits in that product. 
that you know the CEO of the company that produced them just so happens to pull in a video promoting the product. I mean, it, I mean it's just I'm just saying it's not the great the greatest look. You know, it's not the greatest look, but I mean, if, if I, I, you don't uh, want Occam's razor, it says he says he just got lucky. So, I mean, yeah, but from my opinion, if you're if you're fanatics and tops, you don't want your CEO pulling not. the one of one Jackie Robinson like, cut even, out. Even Get that you, out in the wild with someone. I mean, but like, on. even if you say that, like, like, yeah, that's, they probably I don't know if they would have wanted that to happen. Right. So the fact that it did happen made me like a, Okay, yeah. maybe we didn't like you know, it wasn't like you know, maybe it wasn't rigged tried, or whatever. Yeah. Like, Who knows? You know. Who knows? I don't know. Um, and then another, some more again to keep the kind of some of the the drama going. Panini, there were some Panini redemptions. Of course, we've over the you know year year and a half we've been doing this, we've chronicled some of the issues that Panini has with redemptions. And the latest now is that some of their redemptions were showing up in the wild, uh, attempting to be sold. And actually, some of them I think did sell on eBay and other platforms. And here's the problem with that, though, is that the rightful owner of those redemptions was not the one selling. And they saw those cards being sold and said, hey, wait a minute, that's my card. That's a redemption I have in with Panini right now. I've wait been waiting for months to get this <laughs> redemption card, and now I see it selling on eBay. Come on. Like, what's going on there? So, I don't know. I haven't seen, I think Panini's reached out. Um, to these folks and haven't seen what has happened. I guess a couple questions. One is, it, is it a legit card? Is it fake? Is it or is it the real card? And if it is a real card, you know, how did it? What did it go out the back door? You know, an employee or something at Panini sent it out. I mean, how'd that happen? There was a one of one Cristiano Ronaldo card. There was a one of one combo Lonzo Ball Jason Tatum card. So interesting. We'll have to see what uh, ultimately comes of that. And then, as if we didn't have enough, it keeps going. The Texas offices of Panini were broken into over the Memorial Day holiday weekend. Somehow, whoever broke in got in without setting off any of the alarms, did a lot of damage to computers and so forth, and supposedly nothing was stolen. So they did, just broke it and just, but it did just raise destroyed a lot of stuff. Well, so here was the thing. Just broke in and just took some bad stuff things for right. no reason. Right, So <laughs> here's kind of fun. Here's the speculation. First of all, first of all, the speculation <laughs> was, well, well, hold anything. on, hold on, time out. So first, hilarious. Of all, first of all, the speculation was, oh, this happened right after the redemption story broke. So maybe, you know, it was a burglary and all the redemption cards got stolen and that's how they ended up in the wild. But that turned out, I think that's been proved like that couldn't have happened because that doesn't, from what I read, it doesn't sound like a lot of stuff was actually taken. So then the next one, and this one actually I think carries some weight and because this kind of gets to the next story, which is Panini and, Fat and Fanatics have agreed to a temporary restraining order in the lawsuit between those two firms. Remember, there's a lawsuit because Fanatics has, you know, according to Panini, has been poaching their employees. A bunch of Panini employees have now joined Fanatics. So there's this lawsuit. There's a temporary restraining order that was been put in place. That will be in effect until the trial begins. A court date was set for April of 2024. But so then the question becomes, well, was this someone maybe some related to that breaking in, trying yeah. to destroy Evidently. what would otherwise be evidence discovered if oh, it was maybe. right? Because how do you get in without setting off alarms? So there was a, that was where some of the kind of suspicion was. Hey, was this someone destroy, trying to go in and destroy the evidence that might have like. been you know? That has got to be the most caveman way to destroy computer evidence I have ever seen. Break in and just destroy the, just break the computers instead of like, you know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. I don't know. Maybe yeah. not. 
or maybe uh it just makes maybe that sure. restraining order isn't you know very restraining right and and look <laughs> it's i don't just really interesting to yeah me. and i don't know that i don't buy steal into, anything they just break stuff yeah <laughs> and i don't know that i buy into okay. any of those theories but it does make for some kind of interesting yeah. you know interesting headlines and, and drama in the hobby but uh, some other news that was kind of interesting that caught my attention. One was uh, Chris Kelsey, who we've had on our show before with Nash Cards. He's a, our local card shop here in Nashville. And he said they are no longer doing bulk submissions for Beckett and or SGC. They are going to be exclusive with PSA now. This was really kind of shocking, to be honest with you, because at one point, I don't think they are anymore, but at one point Nash Cards was the number one bulk submitter with SGC. So this was a little bit of a surprise. And... Chris went on social media and and did kind of a video and took some Q&A from folks kind of explaining why it was. And it sounds like, you know, I don't know if I'd say a falling out with SGC, but it does sound like, you know, maybe just some business decisions being made. One, Chris pointed to the pop reports, right, that show that obviously PSA, you know, a million cards and the next closest one is SGC with less than 100,000. So, and he said, you know, their bulk submission business, it had similar kinds of ratios. So you could begin to see where maybe the volume just wasn't making sense. But it sounds like the other part of this was he kind of alluded to the fact that SGC, you know, at the time they were doing bulk submissions with SGC, they might have been one of only, say, four or five bulk submitters. Now there are bulk submitters all over the place. So maybe that's diluted the business a little bit. And then he also commented about how SGC is at all the shows now. And it used to be that, you know, you'd go to the show and you'd submit your cards to a bulk submitter because SGC may not be there. Well, now SGC's at the show, so you can submit directly with them. So that, I think, was another factor. And then I think the other thing you talked about is a lot of the deals they're doing, right? I mean, at $9, some of these deals, which we're going to talk about in a minute because SGC came out with some more promotions this past week. And at $9 a card, you got to figure there can't be a lot of meat on the bone for a bulk submitter, you know. So... It's kind of interesting, but um, anyway, they are parting ways, and they are now exclusively with PSA as a bulk submitter. Hmm. It's kind of interesting news. And then along those lines, PSA announced they have laid off 11 employees, several that were apparently in the marketing area. There were reports that this could be cutting expenses in anticipation of a sale, but I don't know. I'm not sure that I buy that per se. Um, obviously, PSA is owned by collectors. They are owned by private equity investors, so a sale is probably inevitable. I'm just not sure that was necessarily the reason behind this. It seems like kind of a small number of employees to you know, cut expenses in anticipation of a sale. But And they did say that they were actually going to be hiring some folks in their marketing department, so I don't know. And then it also came out that Collectors was interested in acquiring PWCC before they got bought by Fanatics. So that also would suggest to me that maybe a sale there is not imminent. Um, but look, this is no surprise. We mentioned this, gosh, what, months ago, I think it was, wasn't it? We said, where we said, look, you are likely going to see layoffs or something with, you know, especially with PSA, but with these grading companies, because grading volumes are just not going to sustain over the long haul. They had to, they staffed up in a big way to try to, you know, get rid of the backlog and reduce turnaround times. But ultimately, as grading volumes begin to come down, and they will, I believe, you're going to have to do one of two things. You're either going to have to offer promotions at lower, co- you know, lower price points to get that volume back up, or you're going to have to end up right-sizing the company to the, whatever that new volume looks like. And so it, I, I, it just doesn't surprise me that you would see some layoffs here. And then couple that with the fact that you know we went through a little bit of a tough slowdown in the economy 
with the Fed, you know, raising rates and everything else. And look, this hobby is just as impacted as any other industry is by that stuff. So I don't find any of that to be terribly surprising. SGC did announce another card grading deal as we talked about before. It's same as before. It's $9 a card. This one is for Top Series 2 baseball product release. So they keep doing these partnerships with Tops. It's fueling rumors that they could end up being acquired by Fanatics. I truly hope that does not happen. I would like to see SGC remain independent if they can. Uh, or if they're going to be acquired, not by Fanatics. Um, you know, join up maybe with another grading company or something else. I don't know. But, but probably the more significant promotion than that one was they announced a football card deal. $15 per card for any football card. Hmm. Modern, vintage, anything, doesn't matter. There's no minimum, so no minimum number of cards. There's no value limit, so it can be a you know $10,000 card or a $100 card. And there is a 5 to 10 business day ex- uh, turnaround time to be expected on that. So, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's a very good deal. And obviously, uh, you know, trying to make a push maybe into that football space that they may not do as much of. And so, yeah, there you go. So if you want to get some football grades gar- or cards graded and you like using SGC, there's an opportunity to do it for a lot lower cost. And then David Adams. The card shop. I think they're based out of Buffalo, but they have a big online presence. We've bought a lot of stuff. In fact, those Goodwin Champions boxes I talked about earlier, I got those from Dave and Adams. And they have announced another bounty program. At it again. Remember, they're the ones that did the Drew Jones? Wait, yeah. Wait till he gets in the yeah. Hall of Fame. You get a million or do it now for two. And by the way, those guys did take the 250. Yeah, good, good call. Yeah. Well, this one is a million dollar bounty for the one of one, what's called the one ring card. And this is from Lord of the Rings. It's it's actually Magic the Gathering that I isn't, guess makes this. Isn't Magic the Gathering like a game though? Yeah, it's a creating. How card do they game. have a one of one card in a game like that? Well, it's but this is not a game. This is the they're issuing a Lord of the Rings oh, card. Just set, a collectible, I guess. I don't know if there's a game associated with it or well, not. Because I'm like Magic know. the Gathering. I thought was like a card game. It is. The, like how do you have a one of one card in a card game well, like that? Well, because this <laughs> because is that's not, like not even fair. Well, but because hold on, this isn't just the Magic Gathering. This is what's yeah. this is they they apparently have. I don't know if they own Lord of the Rings or they got licensing for it, but this is a Lord of the Rings release, and it's called Tales of Middle Earth. I don't know if that's a. I'm not a I'm not a big Lord of the Rings follower, so I, I don't, don't know, know if that's one of the movies or not what not. It's but. not. I don't know if there's a show or anything I don't think okay. there's a show called that so I don't know it's so, just I mean, Magic it, the Gathering it could thing. be a Lord of the Rings like a game, card game it could be a Lord of the Rings card game that Magic the Gathering yeah, but what know. I'm saying is if it's a game of one of one card and a card game is kind of not yeah something that should be well maybe that's that, like if you get that card that you just true. win the that's game why, well, that's why I'm like it's <laughs> gotta be like just collectible <laughs> right I yeah just, I just no need to play anymore uh, yeah. but the release date for those cards is June 23rd and this particular card, though, be aware, because it can only be found in what's referred to as the English language Lord of the Rings Tales of the Middle Earth Collector Booster Boxes. There are apparently like three or four different box configurations, and that particular card is only can is only going to be it's going to be inserted into one of those well, boxes. I'm say, if there's going to be so, a one of one card in a Lord of the Rings set. It best be the one ring. So that's I mean, yeah, that's pretty, it's the that's one pretty ring. neat. And so if you pull that card, David Adams will buy yeah. it for a million dollars. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. I may have to buy one of those now. <laughs> it might be worth the lottery ticket, right? Um, anyway, and then DraftKings, the betting 
company announced they're getting into the sports card uh, space with auctions and they've they're 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 in fact their first sports card auction is underway right now started may 29th it goes through june 18th i think they've got 57 cards that are being auctioned off right now in that in that auction and i think it's called their spring sports auction uh, one element of it though is that you do have to have a hundred percent of the amount that you bid on any of the cards in your DraftKings account or you won't be able to place the bid so Obviously, great way for them to potentially grow deposits, right? Because the people who need to deposit money to make those bids. However, I also think it's going to detract many people from actually bidding on this stuff because they're not going to want to necessarily go move a bunch of money into that account. Because then what if you lose the bid yep. and you don't win the card and you got all this money sitting there? You know, I know DraftKings would love that, but I'm not sure all <laughs> the participants would necessarily. So anyway, so we'll see how that goes. But Can they are use that for betting. Well, of course. Oh, yeah, I think go. that's what they there want you. you to, yeah. That's what they there ultimately want you to do, right? So, <laughs> you know, but I, yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But they are now getting into the space. Um, so there you go. That's kind of your your hobby news. Um, all right, we got. Gosh, we're probably running a little long. It might be a little bit of a longer show today. Uh, we're not going to be able to keep it to an hour because we do need to talk. Want to talk NBA playoffs? Want to talk hockey playoffs? Want to talk the WNBA? We've got some baseball stuff we want to cover. we still got jersey numbers. So let's jump in. Let's jump into the playoffs. NBA. Okay. NBA. Yeah. So Heat, Miami, Brandon's Miami what Heat. What we thought. Yep. Boston made it interesting. They did. But what we thought. Yep. My goodness, that tipping, though, that's going to be like a – they're going to be replaying that for years, man. Yeah. I what, a, what a game. Oh, you're talking about game six. I'm talking about six. game six yeah, game against six Boston. Boston. What a, Miami what a game, game yeah. man. Well, that's in the history now. That's yeah, in the past. That's, let's, what, that's what I'm saying, man. Let's it fast will, forward. It, it is in the history. They're going to so, be replaying that. No, they will be. But here's the thing. Now Miami's in the finals against the Nuggets. I think this is a great finals matchup. I, I think this is actually great for the hobby. I think it's really fun to see the Joker and Jamal Murray. I think it's fun to see Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. I wish Tyler Hero, hopefully he can get healthy and come back and play. But I think these are two fun teams to watch, and I think these are, you know, the cards of a lot of these players are not necessarily sky high in value. So it's an opportunity if you're a collector and you want to, you know, participate in some of this, you can kind of have some fun with it. The other thing I wanted to point out, and I and I was going to look at some Pat Riley cards here yeah. because people may not realize, but you know, Pat Riley, obviously an executive, is he the GM? He's the president. He's the president. So of Miami basically, Heat. yeah, yeah, and. If you look at his between his playing days, his coaching days, and his days as an executive in the front office of the Miami Heat and other other basketball organizations, he has now been in 19 of the NBA Finals. I think yep. it was three as a player, ten as a coach, and six as an executive. That accounts for 20 a quarter of all finals in league history. <laughs> and it's probably more like when you just count from when he came into the league, which I think was, what, 1970 or 71, somewhere Around in there, there, when he came into the league. It's like 40% of all finals since when he yeah. actually came into the league. So just absolutely crazy. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> And I'm looking at I his. Tell you what, man, he knows how to win. Yeah, and I'm looking that's at his card ladder. We're talk about the like Miami culture, like that's real, and that's Pat Riley. It starts there. Yeah, and his card ladder index uh, kind of reflects that. I'm looking at it all time, so this dates back to 2004 through 20 June of 2023, and that card ladder index is up 350 percent over that time frame. If I I'll pan in, let's go to one year. So over the last year, it's it's down a little bit, down about eight percent over the past year or so. 
but anyway, so he he's an interesting one. And the only I, and when I look, I think the only card included in that. So it is 1970. 1970 is his rookie card uh, for tops. And you know you can pick up that card. So I'm looking at let's see, this is a PSA six. Let's see what this is a seven have. Yeah, so seven's got a more recent sale. A, a PSA seven pop count's only 180, a hundred dollars for that card. So you know I think he's an interesting one and i um i think we in fact i think you got one of those yeah. cards right? i think so. he's he's like a situation where it's kind of like you know phil jackson where he yep. you know played was pretty good but he made more of his name after he's after his he was done playing yeah agreed so, in terms of card values as a player maybe not super but, high but. but we have well but here's the thing too we have seen and it'll be interesting to watch you know some of his stuff as well as other vintage basketball because we have in the last you know month or two and we reported on this on our last show we're starting to see some vintage basketball pop up on the record sales list. Now, again, those record sales are still low in terms of the total value relative to other vintage, you know, cards and other sports. But nonetheless, and, and we're going to talk about it again when we do some record card sales a little bit later, there's a lot of vintage basketball popping up again. So vintage basketball is starting to get some attention and maybe a little bit of hobby, hobby love. And I think rightly so, because I think, again, relative to vintage and other sports, I think it's been, you could argue that it's been undervalued. So, I mean, now the Nuggets are up 2-1. Mm-hmm. Game four tonight, actually, in probably another, what, hour or so in, yeah. here in, uh, in Miami. This has been interesting so far. I don't it's know. a chess match. It's a, yeah, it's yeah. A that's, chess that's, match. that's what really it feels good like. That's what it feels with like. With some really good players on each team. I mean, it, it feels like it's, like it's a chess match, but also it's been like who who's won has also been mostly, in my opinion, decided by who's played with more force and physicality. Yeah, that's been I think what's been deciding these three games so far. Yep, in my opinion. Well, yeah, now there have been obviously and who's making it's like shots. it's like both like the chess match of like it, it is a chess match with Jokic and especially I mean Spo's got his hands full trying to figure out how to how to guard this team and how to you know attack this team, but at the same time a lot of these games have come down to just who plays better basketball, not necessarily who was smarter because these That's teams true. are both going to play smart no matter what. These are two smart teams led by smart players, great passers, you yeah. know, so. That's true. But, yeah, Miami's been switching up, doing a lot of zone, you know, doing their 2-2-1 full court press at times, to, um, you know, being pretty physical out beyond the arc. Uh, you know, like that game two, I mean, limited the Joker to only three assists. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I feel like this is one of those series where it's going to go, you know, back and forth, back and forth, and could imagine. end up being a six or seven game I series. I just, I feel like I don't know. This is so interesting. And uh, last time in Game Three, we had uh, history made. I mean, Jokic always seems to make history every time he plays. But I mean, both him and Jamal Murray both had thirty point triple doubles, which has never happened before in any game, even in the regular season. Yeah. So interesting a little stat there. They played they had a great game that game. Yeah, ultimately, I mean, so far it's been like shot making, and in my opinion, who's played with more force. I think that's been the ultimate key factor, and I think Denver played with a lot more force in game three. I think their defense stepped up. They actually were communicating all those open looks that they got in game one and two. Miami got in game one and two weren't, you know, completely there anymore. Because a lot of that was just Denver making really basic mistakes. But Well, and if you want to know... Joker's rookie cards on the 2015 sets, Jamal Murray's rookie cards on the 2016 sets. 
Uh, Jimmy Butler's rookie cards are in the 2012 sets. Bam Adebayo, is he 2018 or 19? I think 2018. I think he might be 2018 sets. Um, and, you know, like I'm looking at Jamal Murray. If you look at his card ladder index over the last six months, it is up over 100%. You're seeing similar moves in Jimmy, Bam, uh, the uh, the Joker. It, it is it is kind of, we t- mentioned this before, it is kind of satisfying to see these star players that are playing well and see their card values reflecting that. Although that's in part because the card values, a lot of these guys never got yeah. parabolic and well, sky I, high. I, like it's good. Place, I'm so. glad that everybody, especially for Jokic, I'm glad that people who maybe don't see him as often get to see him now Yeah. because I mean, it's incredible what he's doing, just watching the guy. And I think something that I've noticed, especially in this series that I've noticed before, but I'm especially noticing it right now is just how good this guy's touch is, just how soft it is. Jeff Van Gundy has like remarked like multiple times about like, like the ball just always seems to, just bounce in every time it hits the rim like it's just like super soft even if he doesn't like you know swish it which most of the time he does like every time he shoots within 10 feet i think it's going in like i'm shocked when he misses those shots like it's like that that it's that level but what's crazy about it and i think this is what makes it so fascinating is that you watch and you think how is it you think i mean there's literally a part of you that thinks Gosh, it, it looks like he's moving so slow. It looks like how can you not guard? Like you could guard that, right? And then, the thing but then is, like you can't. So the thing is <laughs> so just, about that really is weird. like, well, for, first of all, really smart player. He's always going to make the right read. Yeah, good footwork and body control. But third of all, something I've noticed people saying when they see him in person for the first time, I've seen this happen multiple times. Evidently, he's much bigger in person oh, I <laughs> than, bet. He's, than he is on TV. Strong. And like, like Kenny Smith was like the most recent person I saw. He went to he was doing like NBA TV coverage in Miami for game three. And he was like watching him warm up. And he was like, I didn't, I've watched him play like probably like 60 times on TV. I did not think he was that big. He's like, he said he's like Shaq basically. Yeah. Like he's like Shaq, but just like not, he doesn't move as well. well he's like and, that big. And he, take up, he takes up that much space. Yeah. Like, I can so see that's, that. That, that's a part of it. I think he's yeah. probably much bigger than he looks. He takes up a whole bunch of space, which is a big deal. So you still thinking Miami can pull this out, or not? Still thinking? I mean, you obviously a Miami yes. fan, but you think Miami pulled this out in six or seven? Yes, five. Yes, that well, can't, be, can't five. be five. Got to be six or seven. If it's five, we're gonna lose. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yes, I do. I and I think, I mean, players are gonna have to step up. I, I, this is a really important game. Game four is gonna be really important. Um, just to see how they play how they come out because if they win this game and how they win this game is going to play a big role because if denver wins this game and if denver like dominates this game then it's i'm gonna be over. i'm gonna be a little nervous like i'm not gonna obviously i still think they can win it but it's gonna be hard yeah um but it's gonna see like i don't know what adjustments they can really make because i just haven't really paid it like look that closely at game three so I'm just interested to see where they come out. Honestly, I just feel like they have to play better. I just feel like game three, they got beat in like every aspect. Like the rebounding differential was like almost 30. Like it was just bad. And they lost like every 50-50 ball, which is not like Miami at all. So it's just like, well, no, I need to see how well they just play basketball this game to see what, what, what it's going to look like the rest of the series. One of the things that I think is cool about this series is that no matter who wins, Right, it's going to be like if Miami wins, it's Jimmy Butler's first championship, right? Mm-hmm. 
if Denver wins, it's their first championship and it's Joker's first championship. Yeah. And so somebody, a big star, is going to get their first championship, and I think that's I think that's cool. It's it's interesting because it's like it's like almost kind of like they're both underdogs. Like Denver's exactly. not Denver's not an underdog, no. but in the eyes of like the media, they probably are because they always get count. They've been getting counted out this whole year. Yep. If you actually know basketball, in my opinion, you could really see how good they are. I think their record was just a little shaky for some people. But then they were like wondering, can they play defense? Yeah, and I think the answer you, is yes when yeah, they want well, to. Well, and I think so, when you say the underdog, I think they are the they were the under lot. Of, they are the underdog in the sense that people didn't expect them. People to be didn't in the expect finals. exactly like yeah. people expected them to be good, but not make it that far. Yeah, and so it's a little bit interesting that you have these two teams that are like kind of both underdogs, even though one's you know right. a one seed. Yeah, um, exactly. so it's interesting. Yeah, agreed. Uh, well, let's flip over really quick. Just a couple of things to note in the WNBA because we did talk a little bit about it at the top of the show as well. But I did want to mention Dewana Bonner, or D, I think it's a DB as she goes by as well. She put up 41 points. She plays for Connecticut and helped Connecticut hand Vegas their first loss of the season. I have to say, I was just getting ready. I was going to come in here on the pod and say, Hey, you know, Vegas could go undefeated this year. I'm not sure they could lose a game. <laughs> and then as soon as so I was thinking about doing yeah. that, Kinetic, you know, Bonner goes out, puts up 41. I was wondering the Vegas. same thing. Yeah. Jeff Van Gundy on the broadcast the other night said they were going to run the table. I know. And then, like, the very next he game, they him. lose to Connecticut. There you go. He jinxed them, yeah. And so, and look, I mean, Bonner is probably going to move into the top 10 all-time scores list this season. I think she's 11th on that list right now. And uh, and she shot nearly 70% from the field, did all of that in just 32 minutes, also mm. got seven boards and one assist. She's 35 years old. Vegas now 7-1, and one, while Connecticut moves to – they're not too shabby at 7-2, and two, doing well. And then Aaliyah Boston, the rookie for Indiana out of South Carolina, she's having a really good rookie campaign, averaging nearly 16 points, six and a half boards, and nearly two assists a game. And so she's one to watch as well. And, you know, all of these players now have some rookie cards out there. Panini, the Panini Prism. Um, the 2023 Prism hasn't come out yet for WNBA, but, uh, but there are some, some card, there are some Aaliyah Boston cards out there that you can get. And so, anyway, we talked before, I think there is some opportunity in the WNBA. And New York is now, they're now third, I think, in, uh, I think you got, well, maybe they're fourth, because I think, no, I think they're third. I think you got Vegas at the top, I think Connecticut, and then I think New York is either third or fourth, Liberty. Uh, and they're doing well with two loss. I think they're maybe four or five and two, something like that. Uh, so anyway, it's still early, obviously, in the season, although there's only 40 games. So yeah, I mean, about 25%. Yeah, they're almost a quarter to of the way in yeah, to the season For now, some teams. So, exactly. And then moving on to the hockey playoffs real quick, um, Vegas took the first two games. Florida got game three in overtime, so now the series is uh, two games to one in favor of Vegas. Look, I'm not sure. This is a really fun finals to watch in terms of the teams being played. I just don't know from a from a sports card perspective. I don't know that you have really any big card movers within any of these. I mean, you got Bobrovsky, the goalie in Florida. You got Matthew Kachuk, which we've already talked about. His cards have already moved a fair amount um, given the success he's had in the playoffs leading up to the Stanley Cup Finals. And then Vegas, you know, doesn't – there's not necessarily any what I would say and, – and look, I don't – again, I hate saying this because I don't mean any sort of disrespect to any of these players because they're all absolutely outstanding in their own right, but there's not necessarily a star power type – you know what I mean? There's not a Connor McDavid, a Sidney Crosby, an Alexander Ovechkin. There's not like, you know, an Austin Matthews, one of those kinds mm-hmm. of guys. So I just don't know that there's – a ton uh, of you know from a card value perspective to be played here but nonetheless 
fun series to watch. I did want to note for our Preds fans that are out there, Nashville Predators here in, in where we're at, our hometown, they did fire coach John Hines. Was a little bit of a surprise, not necessarily. I mean, I think, you know. I think, if, but, I think they're just kind of in the mindset of let's just change everything. Yeah. And they you know, hired so. uh, uh, Andrew Burnett and, and as the team's next coach. Some of our listeners may remember because we actually talked about Andrew Burnett um, on this was, I don't know if it was last, I think it was last year, it was a while ago because, um, well, his most recent job, he was an assistant coach with the New Jersey Devils. But prior to that, you may remember, he became the Florida Panthers uh, coach, head coach, associate head coach in the middle of the 2021-22 season because their head coach had resigned. He amassed during the season a 51-18-6 record, got to the second round of the playoffs before being eliminated by the Tampa Bay Lightning, who... I can't remember if that was the year that they won the Stanley Cup or if that was the year they lost to Colorado. But in any event, t- Tampa Bay had been in three straight appearances with two wins in the Stanley Cup Finals. So that's what, you know, Florida goes 51-18-6, and six, gets to the second round, loses to Tampa Bay, and then he got replaced <laughs> as the head coach in the offseason. It's like, that thank happens. you for all your work and success. Now we're going somewhere else. Well, that happens. So, that's... That, and that we, tends to happen and sometimes we talk, well, when and you we get talked those about, mid-season coaches. Yeah, I mean, and we talked about that you know. at a time how that was kind of, you know, interesting. Hines, for his part, put together a record of 134, 96, and 18 in the four seasons. He was the Predators head coach but never got the team past the opening round of the playoffs, and he did have one year remaining on his contract. So it's going to be interesting to see. I'm, I'm, you know, Given the success Burnett had in Florida, we'll see what he does here. He does have strong connections. to. The, I thought this was kind of cool because you know he was one of the original Nashville Predators, and in fact he scored the first goal in the history of the Nashville Predators back in 1998, and so it kind of comes full circle with him now being the head coach. So there you go. All right, move on a little bit of baseball. All right. And then we'll uh, we'll touch on some card sales and some jersey numbers and get out of here. Look, I think a few shows ago I said I don't think Arizona's for real. Arizona's proved me wrong. I think they Arizona might be for real. They are, you know, doing well. They're now atop the NL West. I think overtook the Dodgers by a game, and they're playing well. Corbin Carroll, who um, I call him a rookie this year, he came up for uh, he had some time last year as well. But this is really he's going to be his full first full season with them he's playing well in particular he's been playing well all season but he's really been heating up over the last couple of weeks so interesting to watch and then there were some big notable prospect call-ups so um, one I'll get one maybe not quite as notable one out of the way but Ben Joyce um, called up for the Angels I believe right is Angels that he plays I think that's right Um, he's a 22 year old and this guy throws some serious heat 21 of his first 22 major league pitches eclipsed 100 miles an hour Uh, he's going to be a little bit like Eraldis Chapman and he, he got clocked as high as 105 miles an hour in college. Whew. This guy throws heat. He does struggle with his control a little bit. Well, when so, you throw that fast. Yeah, exactly. I mean, holy cow. But he's he's going to be one I think is going to be interesting to pay attention to. Could be a big-time closer, kind of like an airless Chapman-type pitcher um, at some point. And then the other one is, and I, and I don't know if I know the exact right pronunciation of his name, but Ellie De La Cruz, he is a one of the top prospects in baseball he's in the cincinnati reds organization shortstop they made the move to call him up this past week he's just 21 years old he was absolutely raking it in the minors and this guy hits with some serious power his exit velocity is crazy his second game in the majors he blasts a 458 foot home run 
And oh, by the way, in that same game, legged out a triple. He got clocked at under 11 seconds to get to third on that triple, which is the fastest time in the majors this year. I mean, you think about that, right? 11 seconds to get around the bases, 90-foot base paths, right? That's I mean, pretty fast. What is that? That's moving. 270 feet. 30 yards per, right? Because 90, three, three feet a yard. Like so ish. 90 feet. Three yeah, feet ish. 30-ish. 30-ish yards per, so it's 90 yards you're doing in, in and you're not like a straight line that's and you're doing fast. that. And that's a, think about like the, what's the world record for a hundred yard dash? Well, I'm, like I'm thinking like just under 10 like seconds. Like the 40 yard dash in like the combine is like those guys like best runners are hitting like four second. Four seconds. Yeah. Like, well, a little bit over, but like, you know, around four seconds. So like, you know, multiply that's that by like three. But it's a little bit. Well, a little it's less. less than forty yards, yeah. probably. But you're also having to change so like three direction, seconds. right? So that's kind like of, pretty fast. I mean, yeah, you're kind of probably a straight line. That is to say, you're probably matching some of the fastest speeds at the combine forty yard dash. Yeah, roughly. So that's pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah, very fast. Now that's you know our our math is really <laughs> probably not checking out great here, but no, I close, mean, close enough, you yeah. know. Yeah. He's fast. Yeah, that's what. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Someone do a spot check on us. Check that math, but. And look, I mean, his stuff is is going crazy. He's got a, he's got some stuff in, you know, obviously in in the Bowman products, 2022, 2023. I want to find. I think his is his first card in the 2022 Bowman, or is it 2020? I think it's 2022. It is, yeah. So his first Bowman is in 2022, and in a PSA 10, that's already been selling for you know over a hundred bucks. Um, and his and you know who knows if he continue. I, I look. Everyone is saying this guy's got all the tools. It's certainly looking that way. When you look how he came out of the gate, I mean, here's what he's doing. Now, again, it's early, right? So he's only played in, I think, four games or something like that. But And he's only had 11 at-bats. But in those 11 at-bats, he's already hitting 364 with a home run, two RBIs, three runs scored, and a stolen base. So, I mean, he's filling up the score sheet. So, anyway, he's definitely one to pay attention to and watch. You know, the other a couple others that these were high, you know, sort of hot rookies when they first came out ronald acuna jr i feel like i don't i don't know if anything he does you can say is quiet because he's a you know a star but i feel like he's been quietly putting together just an absolutely outstanding season he is having um i think he i'm not sure if he leads the league in stolen base but he got 28 stolen bases i think he's hitting over 300 i mean 50 plus runs scored i think 30 or 40 rbis you know close to, i mean seven eight nine home runs something like that he's doing really well for atlanta it is interesting stolen bases and we talked about this because of the rule changes stolen bases are up this year across the league wonder franco's another right a lot of times these guys come in they don't live up to the hype but ronald acuna jr seems to be and wonder franco again still young but man he's raking he's got a slash line hitting 302 with seven home runs 39 runs 29 rbis 22 stolen bases having a really good season and then another one that I think gets overlooked a lot is Pete Alonso. Um, he did land on the DL just here recently with an injured wrist. That stinks because he's been on an absolute torrid home run pace with 22 home runs and just his 229 at bats. So he was on. He's on pace. I mean, this injury is going to set him back. But he was on pace, or put it this way, he was on a better, faster pace than Aaron Judge was last year when Aaron Judge broke the home run record in the AL. So Pete Alonso, I think, is one. To, and then Otani. Look, we you know. We haven't talked about Otani in at least a show or two. So, 
I mean, this guy, he's hitting 274, 16 home runs, 42 it's RBIs, 37 run scores, nine stolen bases, and then, oh, on the pitching side, a 3.3 ERA with a 101 whip, 96 Ks in 71 innings, a 5-2 and two record. Look at this. from a Time fantasy, for your weekly Otani praise. Yeah. And from a fantasy perspective, he is seventh in fantasy scoring among all hitters and 18th in fantasy scoring among all pitchers. Just crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. And I realize people say, oh, it's fantasy scoring. But look, fantasy scoring, it's filling up the stat sheet is what he's doing. So whether yeah. it's fantasy or not, I mean, it's just, it's, it's you know, or just for him another day at the office, right? Jordan Alvarez also doing well in Houston. I think he gets overlooked. I th- and I'm guessing that maybe because he's mostly plays DH. I mean, he does play some outfield, but it's less than half of the time. But He's doing well. And another one I'll mention is Corey Seager. Don't look now, but Corey Seager's heating up, hitting 336. He did miss some time in April and May due to injury. Um, and so he's only got 112 at-bats or something like that so far this season. But he is back and playing really well. And obviously when he's in form, he can be outstanding. So he may be one to watch. Corey Seager's cards it come down in value as well. So if you're interested in collecting his stuff, it might be an interesting time to take a, a look at that. But anyway, so there you go, some – some things to look at in and i was going to look up real quick by the way um, let me i'm going to pull up some ronald acuna jr because he comes out of that by the way that 2018 he his rookie cards in in uh 2018 with shohei otani and he has a he's in he's got a his chrome prospect autograph is in the 2017 bowman and i look at that one let me see let me pan out that particular card so it's kind of flat. It's actually down over last year. It was did sell as much as $4,000. Last sale about a week or so ago was just shy of $3,000. So it's an expensive card. Uh, but let me see if I can find his... I'm going to see if I can find his... Here's his Topps Chrome. I'm going to see. look at that in a PSA 10. This is 2018 Topps Chrome. So in a PSA 10, you can pick that up for 72 bucks. was the last sale. And if I look at, say, the last three months or so... That card, yeah, it's up about 12% in the last three months. So it's been ticking up from maybe 50, 60 bucks, something like that, to just a little bit north of 70 right now. Pop count on that is incredibly high. It's over 11,000 cards. Um, I don't see, I was going to try to find his Sapphire because he's in that uh, Topps Chrome Sapphire. And that's the one I like of Shohei Otani's as well. I've got the Otani one. Yeah, so if look at that one. That card just sold in PSA 10 for nearly four just shy of $3,900 sold yesterday. Pop count on that's only 108. And over the last three months, that's up 25%. It was selling for $3,000 about three months ago. And so you are seeing some of his stuff move a little higher as well. All right. I think that's all we got in baseball. Do a little bit of record sales. Not a lot in record sales because we don't go through everything. There's too much to cover over the last couple of weeks. But as we know at the top of the show, we are seeing a lot of vintage basketball on the record sales list, particularly 1976 tops, 1969 tops, 1972 tops. And then um, in honor of uh, Jim Brown, as we mentioned at the top of the show, there was a 1958 tops, a PSA 6.5, which is his rookie card, that sold for a record $5,975 via PWCC. One other that I thought was interesting I'd make note of, a 97 Metal Universe PMG, Precious Metal Gems of Charles Barkley. This was the red, serial number to 90. It was a PSA 8, sold for $31,200 via Golden. Uh, all right, well, let's uh, wrap up with jersey numbers, um, and then that'll be it. Yeah, do some quick jersey numbers. We'll be quick about it, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap up the show. So the first one, Doug Atkins, Hall of Famer, defensive end, initially drafted by Cleveland. Two years later, got traded to Chicago, played most of his career for Dub Bears, and his rookie card is in the 1954 Bowman set. 
And we have uh, Tim Brown, Hall of Fame wide receiver. He played 17 seasons, which were basically all with the Raiders. He was a Heisman Trophy winner out of Notre Dame. His rookie card is in the 89 sets. Yep. And then Carl Eller, a Hall of Fame defensive lineman, played 16 seasons, virtually all with Minnesota. He was part of that Vikings defense known as the Purple People Eaters. And his rookie card's in the 1965 Philadelphia set. We have Calvin Johnson. Megatron. Yeah, Megatron. Yeah, I love Megatron. Hall of Fame wide receivers, only nine wide receiver, only nine seasons, which were all spent with Detroit. Some might say he retired while he was still in his prime. Yep. Um, he's the second overall pick in 07, which means his rookie card is also in those 07 sets. Yeah, he was an absolute stud, as was Tim Brown. And another wide receiver he's in the still Hall of Fame. Like, he's still like... Oh, he's a beast. He was in the celebrity game this year, I think, for, for basketball for the NBA, and he's still like crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. He still looks like he could play. Exactly, like. exactly. <laughs> uh, he probably could, probably could. And then we had Art Monk, a Hall of Fame wide receiver, played 16 seasons, virtually all with Washington Redskins. He was the first-round draft choice in 1980, won three Super Bowls with Washington, and his rookie card is in the 1981 top set, which is the same set that has Joe Man- Montana's rookie card. Well, we got Randy Moss, another Hall of Fame wide receiver. He played 14 seasons, probably remembered most for Minnesota, but maybe also with New England. He's fourth all-time in receiving yards, and he's maybe best known now for his You Got Moss You segment. Got Moss, yeah. 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 NFL pregame show. Yep. His rookie card is in the 98 sets. I love those You Got Moss segments. Those are fun. And then we had, of course, Terrell Owens, Hall of Fame wide receiver, 15 seasons, most of them with San Francisco. But he did have stints with Philly and, interestingly enough, with Dallas as well. I think that's notable because of his famous, or if you want to call it infamous, celebration on, on Dallas's home field when he was playing with San Francisco and ran to the the star at midfield and had to celebrate anyway caused a big hullabaloo he uh he's currently third on the all-time receiving yards list played alongside jerry rice and his rookie cards in the 1996 set so kind of interesting we have the third and fourth all-time receiving yards leader on this on this list yeah all right and then uh, there were none really in the nba wnba mb as usual or what wnba or what mlb mlb baseball yeah which is pretty typical basically all football here um, we do have one NHL, though. We have uh, Marion Hassa, Hall of Famer, played 19 seasons and scored over 1,100 points in over 1,300 games. He was the first player to appear in the Stanley Cup Finals three straight seasons with three different teams, which was Pittsburgh in 08, Detroit in 09, and Chicago in 2010. His rookie card is in the 97 sets. Yeah, so there you go. The best athletes to wear jersey number 81. Who are you going to go with? Who's your pick? This uh, is a kind of a hard one. Randy Moss. You're going to go Randy Moss? Yeah. Well, yeah, for me, it's either him or it's Megatron. Yeah. But I'm, I think Randy Moss. I might go, you know what, uh, since you're going to go Randy Moss, I'll do. I'll, I'll give a vote to Megatron. All right. I'll do Calvin Johnson, which is kind of interesting because you think Terrell Owens should be on that, right, if Randy Moss and Terrell Owens or Tim Brown. I mean, Tim Brown, Notre Dame. I should probably do Notre Dame. My grandfather was a professor at Notre Whatever Dame. Whatever you want so. to do. No, I'm going to go Megatron. I liked. I think Megatron was a beast. I'll go with him. All there right. you go. There you go. All right. Well, that's going to be it. Let's call it. Yep. That's the show. A little bit longer today, so apologies for that, but had a lot to cover. So I hope everybody enjoyed it. And Brandon, go ahead and take us out. All right, yeah. Uh, once again, thank you to all our listeners for tuning in, spending some of your time with us. We do want to hear from you, so please message us on social media or email us. That's on our website. If you have questions or ideas or topics for a future show, we do love to hear from you again, so please don't hesitate to reach out. Also, check us out on social media and follow us. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check out our website, www.the615collector.com, and subscribe to our email list. 
Yes, and please help us spread the word. Tell a friend about us. Encourage them to listen to the show. Follow us on your favorite podcast outlet, and we'd very much appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating. And so that is it. That's a wrap for show number 81. Thanks again, everyone, for spending some of your time with us. And actually, we didn't talk about this at the top of the show, but we are going to be off next week. We may take a little bit of a hiatus. We should have we should have put that at the top of the show. That's all right. Well, follow us on social media. We will post. We're probably going to take a little bit of a hiatus. We may come back the following week after next, or we may not. We will be back at some point, but um, we'll post on social media when we're expecting to have our next show. But uh, it's been a little bit of a challenge trying to kind of keep up with all this and with everything else going on in our schedule. So we're going to take a little bit of time off. But anyway, but yeah, we'll be around. Follow us on social media, and we'll keep you posted whenever we drop our next show so that is going to be it i'm not going to say we'll be back the same time you know same place but we will we will be or i should say the following week we will be back same time same place just don't know exactly when yes there you go here on the 615 collector (laughs) 